Well, boys, looks like you started the fun without me. You're all sick. Every last one of you. We're going to need a bigger gun. What's the matter? You scared of things that go boom? My name is Eric 13. Surprisingly, I am not the one broadcasting from some garage in yeah. San Francisco. That is Michael Kester. Great things happen in garages in San Francisco. If you are not inventing some kind of uh, society uh, decimating startup over there, then I just don't, I, I'm going to be disappointed, frankly. Well, maybe I am, but not without the help of our listeners at patreon.com forward slash double feature. Um, before we get to that, the movies today are To Be or Not To Be, 1942, and Rango, 2000-something. And uh, that's what we're doing. So uh, if you hate it, you didn't watch them. And if you want other movies, patreon.com forward slash double feature. Tell us that you hated it. Tell us that you love it. Tell us that we need to do, I don't know. What's a movie that like we definitely need to do, but have uh, to be or not to be from the 80s. That's oh the, yeah, that's true. We should definitely do that because one of us, uh, one of us watched that by mistake. Look. But I'm not going to say who. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you don't need to. <laughs> look, I went back and I watched the one from the 40s as well. Okay, I, know, I just I feel know, like I I've, I just feel like maybe we need a show on the other one as well. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and as soon as possible. <laughs> I need to have an intervention with you though. Uh, people do not hate the the movies they never hate the movies i don't know that we've ever i feel like there's a there's a little there's a little black spot on your heart uh -huh. where you think that maybe there are listeners out there who are like what the fuck with these movies and i'm here to tell you okay i've done a collective survey of the listeners yeah via two or three random emails i get a year right and they love the fucking movies so now, not to counter-intervent here, mm -hmm. but um, how many listeners do we have and how many people are there? What do you mean, how many people are there in the world? That's a yeah, ratio let's I, say I, how I really let's, don't want to think about. Yeah, let's just say how many listeners, you know what I mean? I'm I think, just trying, I think I'm just trying you, to appeal to all the people that aren't already listening. Yeah, let's round so we get a nice clean fraction. I would say we, we are I'm just trying, one for eight billion. Yeah. Uh, that's about, about the number of... Yeah. Uh, maybe one for one billion. I don't know. How does that... I'm just trying to double our numbers, my guy. All right. Well... Today we've got To Be or Not To Be in Rango, brought to you by the Patreons, patreon.com forward slash double feature. It's brought to you by the Patreons because they're all brought to you by the fucking Patreons. That's the secret of the show. It is not a listener pick, although I do want to let people know we haven't forgotten about you. We've built a schedule, a custom curated schedule, and we're getting towards the end of the year. And if you'll remember a million shows ago, I was coming on here like every fucking episode being like, guys. Send in the movies. And you know what? A couple of you guys are stragglers. That's okay. It's okay. We're going to get you in here. And uh, assuming people keep uh, piling onto this Patreon, we'll do another year of the show. That'd be great. Renewed for another season. I have nothing to announce at this time. You didn't even ask me. But <laughs> no, no, I didn't. I am aware that at any point it could just be me talking to a cardboard cutout. I am ready for that <laughs> scenario, but I do appreciate 
week after week that you continue showing up. That's something that makes me very happy. And it's the reason that I feel like telling you that you're doing a good job pairing movies like To Be or Not To Be and Rango. Did I say the website? Patreon.com forward slash double feature. Keep this fucking thing going. What is uh, the theme of this weird, this is a very strange double feature. Yeah, so the theme is uh, fake it till you make it. Um, it's, <laughs> you know, okay, it's, yeah. It, yeah. it's two movies about pretending that maybe you're greater than you are until you find out that those are shoes that already fit. And it's about a little bit of self-exploration. And one, they're both also, I think another sort of like sub-theme is bet you didn't expect to laugh this much. Mm-hmm. That's actually was always, that was, that was my prime motivator for getting uh, to be or not to be on the show. Yeah. And uh, Rango I actually hadn't seen. That was a surprise. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Did you know what Rango was about? I did, which okay. is, I mean, that's why I said the primary theme. I knew what the I knew what Rango was about. I love the idea of you going in so cold. You're just like, when does this animated thing with the lizard stop and the movie starts? What, yeah. What is? We'll find out. That is. Uh, I gotta say, this is one of the weirder themes we've ever had. Not the theme itself, but just when you look at these two movies next to each other, like. I know that you gave me sort of a loose definition of this theme at some point a million weeks ago and we popped it on there. Yeah. But sometimes, I mean, you know, I do gig work where I just forget what's going on. We, there's, a lot, there's a lot happening all the time, you know? Right. And so sometimes we're working on the schedule, working on a lot, and it becomes like a fever dream and we just start writing things down and then we don't get to it till a million weeks later. And even watching these movies, even having talked to you last episode, I'm still looking at the two covers next to each other. Yeah. And going like, this is weird. This is a... Yeah, it's a wide swing. This is a 40s, like, I don't... We'll talk about To Be or Not To Be first. But yeah, it's a movie from the 40s and I'm not even sure how to to describe it. And then a, a more recent, but just old enough to be stranger animated movie yeah and they appear to have nothing to do with each other and even after watching them i didn't know that i could click together the theme but man when you say that it's just a really not obvious reason to pair two movies that couldn't be coming out the theme from different you know more different vantage points yeah just very cool and very weird that's all yeah it's super weird i mean very cool and very weird that's like i i, that, I want that on my gravestone <laughs> okay i'll i'll see to it <laughs> to be patreon.com forward slash double feature put it on michael's tombstone <laughs> to be or not to be how would you describe this movie shockingly funny surprisingly the comedy of this movie is really surprising to me also the nazis of this movie in 1942 also very surprising all right well give me give me like what is what is this movie about yeah what are we doing here so uh this is a movie that takes place in um it's ah, poland right occupied poland Mm -hmm. and well it's not occupied in the first frame of the movie you're right it's not occupied at the beginning so it's a it, there's it's it sort of centers around a troop of actors who are trying to put on a show that makes fun of Hitler, and then Hitler comes and occupies Poland, and he's like, "Hey, that's not very funny. Uh, you should do Shakespeare instead." And then you know they hatch a plot to kill Hitler. Um, <laughs> that was sounding like a Shaggy Dog story for a second. Yeah, it's like they put on a play about Hitler that's funny, and Hitler sees it, and Hitler's like, "That play is not very funny." <laughs> 
Yeah, the movie actually opens too on this totally bizarre fucking scene. I know. Where it's like it's like a it's like a vignette that goes nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> Newsreel footage. Yeah. Of uh talking about the the well actually I want to talk about this. There's a weird opening quite a bit, but just to wrap up on the log line. The thing I would say specifically they're getting involved in is like they find themselves in a situation where there's some exchange of intelligence and they're like caught in the middle of it basically. Yeah. So it's like reluctant participants in in an espionage, mm-hmm. I don't know, something like that kind of movie. So they're just a theater troupe. They're not here to fight a war, but suddenly because of circumstances they find themselves, you know, they're the only ones who can do this thing at this time with the information they're given. So they they mm-hmm. wind up being drawn into something bigger than themselves. And as always works best when those, you know, in those kind of stories, the stakes have to be fucking huge. Mm-hmm. So nobody involved in the theater troupe is going to just be like, oh yeah, Nazis, whatever, that's fine. Anyways, let's get back to this play. Like they really, everybody wants to win and they want it bad and they're all, they're going to go all in. But yeah, this fucking opening is so weird. Yeah. And I feel like it is a, uh, it's a good example of what you get through the tone of the whole, the kind of like strange tones. Yeah. Through this movie. But it's, I don't know what it, it, it reminds me of newsreel. That's what it reminds me of. This sort yeah, of like I mean, it's a little over. bit, it's, it's a little bit newsreel and it's a little bit Amazon women on the moon. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's very much, uh, cause it's, it's what it's like predicated on this headline of like how Hitler came to occupy Warsaw. Mm-hmm. And then it's like this guy like puts on a Hitler costume and the director's like, you don't look like Hitler. And he's like, watch how much I look like Hitler. And he walks outside and people are like, Hey, it's Hitler. Well, even before that, we're promised that we will, we, it will be explained to us why Hitler is taking a stroll. Right. And, and so we only find out later, like, why that is. Not that that was ever really a compelling enough question to deserve a whole vignette answering it, but here we are. There's so much, it's so, it's such like a packed thing, too. It packs the comedy of, so to go way, way, way back, I find movies from like the 40s to be, uh, like sort of hard for me to remember or, or differentiate a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when you like remove things like sound, color, uh, acting, perform, when you strip away 50% of what cinema has become since 1942, it's really difficult for me to like tell you what happened in All About Eve versus what <laughs> happened in the one where Garbo laughs. It's like, so, so it well, takes the, a lot. The difference basically. between the difference in acting between then and now is so much more different than the difference in acting between one actor from then and another actor from then. Sure. You know, so you, it, the further we get from a point in time in cinema, the more everything from that point in time kind of collects together as one harmonious thing, which is very strange. Yes. That's a very good point too. So my point is it takes, it takes more, it really takes a serious hook for me to watch a movie and then remember it. And then five years go by and I go, we should put that on the show. And to be or not to be is that movie because I remember putting it on. I remember watching it. I remember watching this scene and being like, this would be funny now. Yeah. I mean, it was funny as I'm right. I'm watching it going, this is funny. But I mean, I'm watching it going, these jokes 
these jokes make sense now. These are funny jokes now. When the director goes, you don't look like Hitler. That painting looks like Hitler. And he goes, that's a picture of me. <laughs> like that shit is just funny. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's unobjectively funny. It doesn't feel like some weird slanted, well, I bet in 1940 people were really laughing their socks off. Yeah, it's an amazing thing when forms of entertainment work, you know, 100 years later. Yeah. I mean, you see this in paintings all the time. If you really want this this effect and just to be blown away by it, you know, look at a painting from hundreds of years ago. And if you look at enough of them, I mean, a lot of them, you, you do kind of need an explainer or you need uh, you need some sense of the time to really fully appreciate. But man, some, and this is true of all works of art, I guess, but some things you see from back then, they play so simply and you just connect to them immediately. A painting that's about a certain look someone is giving to someone else and you're just kind of like, yep, that fucking look. To see a movie that plays like that is a pretty spectacular and weird thing. This is something that's from the better part of 100 years ago. Yeah, it's wild. You know, what What are we talking 80 years ago now? It's, that's a real long time ago for a film. And then also in 1942. Right. To be a movie set in 1942 that is a, is a plot to foil the Nazis. I mean, this is, this is something I feel like it's, it's strange because, you know, we've lived through at this point just an innumerable number of once in a lifetime events. Mm-hmm. But... I find it strange every time. I feel like I know we talked about this in The Great Dictator. I feel like it's come up outside of that as well. But every time I watch a movie from during World War II, during World War II, mm. not, not before, not right after, during World War II, I'm always shocked that people are like, man, the Nazis fucking sucked. And I'm like, I'm like, whoa, you can't say that. Hitler's actually still alive. <laughs> you know, like to me, it yeah. feels like it, it, it feels like super taboo that at the, t- whereas, you know, 80 years from now, if people watch some fucking episode of South Park where, uh, where they're making fun of Trump. Yeah. Like those people are going to be like, wow, they made fun of their own president at the time. Can you believe that? We all know in hindsight that he was an idiot, but can you believe they were brave enough to say that he was dumb while he was president? They're not going to say, we're not going to make it 80 years. Who am I joking? Well, you know what I find weirder about it is that they're, and you know, I had this during my lifetime. So, you know, we both did, but there was this kind of rallying that used to happen. Okay, you remember after 9-11? I do. Talk about 9-11 all the fucking time, but it was this huge- I never forget 9-11. This huge, thank you, this huge event in our lifetime, right? But you remember right after 9-11, there was pretty much a unanimous rip on the Taliban, rip on uh, Osama bin Laden, sure. even sure. Saddam Hussein, yeah. you know, mentioning South Park. It's what right? got W reelected was was everybody everybody ripping there was on just the Taliban a, a, in the Middle East. Yeah. A unanimity behind is unanimity the word yeah, I want? Yeah. 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 Nobody liked the fucking Taliban. They were the war it was the one thing everybody in the country could agree on. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, you make a movie and they're making fun of Hitler and everybody's making fun of Hitler. And it almost reads weird. It's like well, half the country would have loved the Nazis though, right? Isn't that what half of all the mm-hmm. stupid people mm-hmm. do is just like love the obviously bad thing to piss off the other half? Well, let me, let me, let me just, to be fair, let me just cloud this and make this even murkier. If you were to make a movie now about hating the Taliban, 
you would have to be very clear about which brown people you were talking about because the the side that the side that hates Hitler now would want you to be very deliberate in saying not all brown people. Mm, yeah. Yeah, I guess you I have to, I guess I just feel like the Nazis today would have a 36% approval rating or whatever, you know. For sure. For sure. The, it's awful. Yeah, to be made in 1942 about, you know, about what's going on, like the, just the amount of time that, I don't know, to watch something really happening in the throes of World War II instead of commenting on it decades later, it's weird. Well, and it's even weirder that it's just like a giggle fest. It feels like a sort of, it feels like a sort of like elevated platform to make a bunch of jokes about, you know? It's it's like, it's it's strange to think about the occupation of Poland as being like ripe for comedy, but here we are. And, you know, Ernst Lubitsch was, he was like well known for being a comedic, mm-hmm. comedic filmmaker. But if I'm not mistaken and uh, allow me to put my foot in my mouth. So the weirdest thing about all this, and I don't know if you considered this is that Ernst Lubitsch is from Berlin. Oh, this is a German director. Yeah, I mean, I you know, the name makes sense. No, I didn't know that. But if you don't think about it, it's even, I mean, you know, he he mysteriously died five years later of, you know, natural causes. But yeah, it's it's very, uh, it's very, the, just the, the sort of like the meat of the reality of what this movie is, is so baffling. And then the movie itself just plays out like this sort of like expertly comedic, you know, if they were to remake it in now, not in the eighties, but if they were to remake it now, you know, it would be your it would be your your standard ragtag, you know, Seth Rogen, Jay Baruchel, um, all the funny Jews would be the cast of the movie, and it would just be like a it would be a romp. It would be very similar, I think, to um, the interview. Yeah, yeah, that's true. The interview stands out, though, to me as sort of the end of that kind of era. I mean, I don't know if you feel the same way. Do you think you were talking about how we've lived through sort of like one fucking disaster, world-ending catastrophe after another? You know, we're in a strange time. We've been in a strange time for a long fucking time. But I feel like comedy has changed in the face of this omnipresent danger I don't think we, I think we got things like to be or not to be for a long time, but I don't know with the exception of maybe something like the interview and even the interview, it's about North Korea. I mean, I, I was never really for more than a day or two afraid of what might happen with North Korea. That wasn't like a long standing, mm-hmm. you know, it wasn't like the Trump presidency, the constant oppression of, of fascism at the door. It wasn't like fucking COVID, you know, it's not like so many of these other things where for months or even years at a time, I'm going like, God, is this going to be the end of the world? And I just don't feel like comedies played the same way where it's just this sort of like uh you know they make fun of hitler by dressing up as hitler and doing goofy things mm-hmm. it just seems a little bit different i don't know if comedy reads differently to you today or the way yeah. we we like mentally handle danger i guess 
Well, I'm just trying to think of the funniest movies I've seen in, in recent history. And I feel like, I mean, I feel like it's one of two things. It's, uh, it's either, it's either a movie that is so far removes me from the planet I'm on, maybe like to be or not to be being 80 years old, Mm -hmm. uh, or Rango or honestly the first, probably because of what I just said, the first movie to come to mind was sausage party. Uh, uh But, uh, but also the other thing, the other thing that that you always get me to laugh at is a movie like Jackass Forever, or um, these are escapist comedies, though. That's but that's what I'm saying. I feel like to your point, you can't. There's really nothing funny. It's all. It's 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 sort of like the the adage about why they stopped making Black Mirror, right? The the whole the whole thing. The guy who created. I, I'm saying this in air quotes because everything is a lie. Um, the guy who created Black Mirror stopped making Black Mirror because it's all just real life now anyway. But that's also true about like jokes. Like if you go like, ha ha ha, wouldn't it be funny if this happened? It's like, I mean, it would be funny, but it's also happening. So it's like simultaneously happening and funny. This is something I couldn't stop thinking about after watching this movie because it's made in 42. Right. You know, World War II ends in 45. This is uh-huh. within the period of World War II. Well, it's within the period of American involvement in World War II. Yeah, yeah. Which so, is even crazier because when we did Great Dictator, that was pre. That mm, was before it was a world war. Yeah, yeah. It was a. It was just. It was a. It was a three quarters of the world war. Yeah, I guess I have thought that you know we're not getting we're not getting this real. I also feel like a lot of our comedy is escapism. And a lot of our entertainment altogether is escapism. And a couple times people have tried to really make on the nose movies about what's going on right now. I, for the most part, I just haven't really felt like anything. Um, it all feels like W to me. Yeah, it just doesn't. It doesn't feel like we're we're ready or we have a poignant thing to say yet. Mm-hmm. Like we're in the middle of the the house burning down, <laughs> you know. We can't really right, like right. stand outside yeah. and go like, "Oh, here was the story of how that happened." Well, it's too hard. It's too hard to compartmentalize into something small enough to laugh. Well, that's at. what I. Thought. There's always like a joke, and then a but. However, I do understand that there's a nuanced issue. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 To be or not to be fucked with me on that though, because it is just like right in the heart of it, and. I started thinking, like, where, where is our to be or not to be today? Do we have that? I mean, I don't know. Maybe we can't even evaluate that, evaluate that until much later because so many things are made anyways. We don't even know if the, the perfect poignant thing has been made and we haven't even heard of it. And I guess there's been a couple great works in the last few years or whatever, but something to think about. Talk to me about this fucking weird movie, Rango. Dude, so... <laughs> It's so strange. Yeah. So Rango, uh, so often, so, so often when people talk about um, uh, animated movies, the conversation, we've even talked about this on the show, maybe every time to the point where this is going to feel redundant. But when people talk about kids movies, there's always this conversation. In fact, I just called it a kids movie and I didn't mean to. Um, when people talk about animated movies, it's always this conversation where it's like, it's just as fun for children as it is for adults. You know, the whole, the whole thing, the whole thing is like, well, that movie was my, my children enjoyed that. But me as an adult, I also liked Shrek. So that's how, you know, it's actually a good movie. 
I am 100% convinced you will not be able to, to change my mind. So let's not even discuss it. Rango is not for kids. Rango kids wouldn't like it. Uh, the, the language used in the movie is too adult. The words are too big. It's not a movie for children. It's an epic. It's one of the, it's one of the 20 greatest epic Westerns ever made. Uh, it's just, it was really difficult to get a lizard to perform in real life. So they had to use an animated lizard. It's, uh, it's Gore Verbinski. Mm. Which uh, previously mentioned him on the show when we discussed the Ring remakes, which is crazy. Oh yeah, and then he, you know, also did the the other Johnny Depp vehicle with the with the swashbuckling. Not to be confused with Johnny Depp driving a vehicle and running into our title character during the uh, massively existential highway scene at the opening of this movie. Yeah, it really feels like this is a animated. This is a cartoon for the kids who love Hunter S. Thompson, right? You know, all the children out there who are yeah. big Hunter S. Thompson fans. Yeah. Um, oh, and let's not forget Adam Rifkin's Mouse Hunt, a Gore Verbinski right. film. Yes, which seems to have about as much in common with this, you know, lizard uh, centric feature. <laughs> so it's a uh, logline um, to go back to our theme too. Uh, Rango is a terrarium. A chameleon who is thrown from his comfortable life and lands in the desert where he has to figure out, or he chooses to figure out how to make a name for himself and be somebody other than a terrarium lizard. And he become he becomes, uh, he becomes, he, he, he creates his own story, becomes a hero. Yeah, it's, it's done very, I'm glad you used the word story because it's done very much in the kind of dressings of like, well, I have a blank page and I have to turn right. in a script. So like, what is, yeah. we got like a hero, what's he doing? He's got to well, like it's have funny an obstacle. That sort, of, that sort of like blank slate is what we're about to run into at the end of the show when you ask me what movies we're doing next time. Oh yeah, it's good. <laughs> Gonna wing it. <laughs> oh, great. I think the thing that surprised me the most about it, well, I guess I've, I want to stick on the what you said about it being a great Western, one of the all-time great Westerns. Yeah, and I stand by that. I will, I will, it will be on my list if anybody ever asks me, which they won't. Nobody talks to me. There is I Talk To You, Michael, and I need I to know, know about your now I've already told Westerns. you. That's information I can't tell you now. The website is <laughs> patreon.com forward slash double feature. <laughs> Email Michael, send him a message. If I were to think about this movie with actors instead of animated, you know, it's not just that it's some movie that basically does a Clint Eastwood film, but, you know, it's animated, so it's a different movie. It doesn't just rip off the plot of whatever, you know, puts three Westerns together. It really sure. does. Three like, Westerns in Chinatown. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, it does have, um, it does have its influences mm -hmm. like any work of art does. But I think it's pulling from enough strange places. Like you said, Chinatown, right? To, to kind of go like, mm -hmm. what if it was a, a hybrid Western Chinatown kind of film? That alone is already, now we're doing a genre mashup where, where we have some unique influences to do something like The Man With No Name meets Chinatown. That's a weird movie. I've not really heard that pitch before. If anybody knows a movie that's basically The Man With No Name meets Chinatown, like I'm interested in seeing what that would look but like. But isn't Rango. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> but, you know, so the story, because it is animals, the story can be about a couple things specifically. Maybe it couldn't with humans. But I mm-hmm. think I think even the idea of like a water crisis, I mean, that basically is Chinatown. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's not even the fact that, okay, they're all animals. And so that's what allows them to have a water crisis instead of a something else crisis. It's sort of just animated because it can be. You know, there. Mm-hmm. I, I guess what I'm getting at is it still holds up as a movie even without the fun animation, you know, aspect to it. I think you can write the, if I heard they were doing a Real People remake of Rango, which by the way, why does that never happen? You get all these American remakes <laughs> of foreign films. Why aren't we real peopling up the uh, the weird lizard movies? It's definitely things have been going the opposite direction. Yeah, there's yeah, definitely like an animated Mario doing, movie coming out. We need to be doing more of the. Other yeah, well, I just thing. mean like taking the the anthropomorphic movies and just making them actual people. You know, if their plots right. and the the rest of the devices sure. held up, you should be able to do that. Anyways, this is neither here nor there. Um, but it does, it would make a really solid Western story. It falls within, you know, a lot of the kind of storytelling, the existentialism, right? The searching for sort of a purpose, mm-hmm. searching for an answer. A thing that used to be a lot more common in movies, I feel them right now, but uh, was definitely a big part of the Westerns. And then, you know, like finding your own sense of morality too. That's the part of these movies that I I really like is, you know, as a person who grew up without clear, um, I don't know what you'd call them, like role models or influences or fucking paternal figures or whatever, the sort of wandering through into my 20s trying to find a moral code. I mean, you hear that even in our early shows, right? Mm -hmm. That was eventually the beginning of my road that led to working with Pendulette was like searching for for moral north stars and and finding right, that like in right. science and in atheism and in these public figures because I didn't have it in my personal life. Right. And I think you see that a lot in westerns this idea of like you're out there it's a lawless society and you have to find it's it's a little bit of the found family thing but it's also like so who am I going to be? Mm-hmm. What's going to matter to me? What's going to be important? And that's interesting for Rango, who is a character that's kind of like, um, you know, a liar. Right. And doesn't, you know, like predicates his whole origin story on just sort of making it up and seeing what happens. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's the, there's, there's like sort of the way that this movie develops, um, which makes it uh, very much. So it was, uh, I was reading about it because I was just baffled by this movie. Um, one of the, one of the biggest influences, uh, was, um, El Topo. It's like an acid mm-hmm. Western homage, which makes a lot of sense because there's a lot of sort of like vagrant bananas stuff walking around, um, being questionably moralistic. But the thing that I think really. <laughs> also that prolonged rape scene in Rango is really yeah, the weirdest. That's true. Right. Um, little El Topo joke for everyone there. A little wholesome El Topo just a joke. Little rape gag, <laughs> double feature, everyone. Um, uh, I think one of the things that's so powerful about this movie when you watch it is um, so you have a movie. It's called Rango. It's a title character. It's not called A Fistful of Dollars. It's not called Once Upon a Time in the West. 
It's not, you know, it's, it's, it's named after its title character. And the only person that you're sure is even a person for the first, at least quarter of the movie is Rango. He's, he's speaking to himself. Uh, he's, he's, he's letting you know about him. Um, there's, there's this sort of like exposition of character to align you with who this person, because you get the, uh, you get the armadillo, which is a great character. I love the fucking roadkill armadillo. That conversation's beautiful, but it feels like a dream. You know, Mm -hmm. it's not really a character. It's sort of like this, this extension of Rango's identity at the time. And then you get the, the cranky little frog, uh, that doesn't want him to like, sit next to him when the eagle's trying to kill him. And again, that's not really a character. It's more but of a may, gag. But may be our first real character if we... Sure. Because the armadillo is very... It's one of these these sort of two <laughs> or three or maybe even more fever dream characters. Right. You're right. I do see a lot of El Topo in it. It's this kind of yeah. like wandering through the desert talking to mirages almost. Yeah. And so the fact that, the fact that you are really ironclad on who Rango is is really cool at the beginning of the movie, but here's why, and it it, it reaches back to our theme today. Uh, you get ironclad on who this character is, and within five minutes of walking into a town you didn't know we were going to even explore, he goes, I'm someone else. <laughs> yeah. And that's amazing. That's That's like an amazing way to do this, because if the movie had had chosen to start 20 minutes later, you have a whole different movie, and... This is one of my favorite things to think about because it uses Clint Eastwood in the movie. Not entirely inarguable as to what might have happened 20 minutes before the beginning of A Fistful of Dollars. The man with no name may have just been like Vince Smith, uh, who like walked in <laughs> yeah, from Omaha. Yeah. And then they're like, who the fuck are you? And he just like put on a scowl and he's like, I'm the man with no name. Yeah, right, right. And it's just like so funny to think about... Um, all of these characters of the West and they're like big, the big like backstories and the legendary stuff going on with these characters until you get like Jake, the snake who like has a Gatling gun for a tail. And you're like, he's probably actually a bad guy. Right. Although, you know, you see where the movie goes with his character, which is kind of surprising to me, you know, right. sort of like right. you, you set him up like he's going to be this ultimate bad force or this sort of like penultimate, I don't know, you know, second, secondary boss fight kind of thing. He's the heavy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. So I think it's interesting where they take that. It reminds me again of the, the screenwritingness of it. Mm-hmm. You know, if we think of so many of the characters we see in cinema, we're introduced to them and then just told, here's, who they are Mm -hmm. and really so many characters from so many movies could wander into frame one and just lie to us and tell us a story (laughs) exactly it's it's fun like for a show that talks so much about headcanon on these various things yeah it's funny to just you want to build a cinematic universe imagine your favorite movie and then imagine the main character is just totally fucking making it up and it's actually like right you know the franchisee owner of a Krispy Kremes or something (laughs) just decided to have an adventure one day. But I I just love the, I love the sort of like miscalculated weight of, of really introducing who Rango is because what it allows for is the rest of the movie. He doesn't have to keep like, he basically doesn't have to keep saying, but I wasn't even supposed to work today. Yeah. 
He doesn't have to keep saying it because we already, every time he's doing anything remotely heroic, we're like, I'm pretty sure this, we know who this guy is. We're, we're exposed well, and to him. And also he asked for it by telling the lie. Right. You know, so for sure. he's kind of got everything coming. And I think we even, I mean, I don't know about you, but I kind of want to see him get called out at certain things. Totally. It's a little bit weird because you want to see him succeed, but I always feel like, you know, this is based on a lie and it hasn't caught up with them yet. And I want that to be resolved. Like that's part of my own morality, I guess, is I, there's mm-hmm. a, te- a constant tension of like, okay, so when do the townspeople find out that he's full of it? Sure. Well, and then the movie does that thing of, you want to talk about questionable morality. This is something, um, this is very, I know you're going to hate this. This is very like ends justify the means type conversation, uh-huh. but you know, like one, okay, so obviously it's a fucking movie. So like there would be no resolution without our title character, right? He resolves the problem, such as cinema. Um, but like if he didn't, like like if he didn't fuck up with those mole people, you know, he we wouldn't have learned the things we learned. Uh, you know, essentially his, his series of boneheaded fuck-ups are what end up solving the problem. We've seen this a hundred times. This isn't like a brand new cinematic trope. Mm-hmm. But it's like sort of this gamble that the movie is playing. Is like, can he possibly fuck up upwards enough times that by the time the truth comes out, he's done enough positive that it outweighs the fact that he's been lying for the whole movie. And that's sort of the gamble that the movie is sort of playing with. And then it's money where your mouth is. You have one bullet, right? Which, I might surprise you on this, but I do actually like this for a reason that you know hits right into the themes you were talking about at the beginning of the show, which is the kind of like fake it till you make it of it. Mm-hmm. I feel like one of the key themes to this movie is rising to the occasion. Mm-hmm. Is this sort of sure. like let's forget the fact that he lies about it, and so the you know he's like up to his neck in it, and that's his own problem. But a moment does call for him to really be the sheriff, to really be the law. This town is really having a problem, and he is in the unique position because of his lie. But let's put that aside. He finds himself now, after having committed the the moral atrocity of lying that now they do need this sheriff. They do need someone to Mm -hmm. solve their mystery. They do need someone to save their town. And, you know, there's that line in it about, uh, they're they're like taunting, you know, the new sheriff's been playing hero for so long, he's actually starting to believe it. Yeah. But I I think there's this great idea in a time like now where so many people are dealing with their own mental baggage too and just sort of like living in the the smallest bubble human beings have lived in since the beginning of fucking man or the the predating of like public transit or the ability to know more than interact with more than three people at once we're all getting in our heads about a lot of anxious stuff i see this all the time online people just having anxiety meltdowns freakouts Watching these movies, I really thought about this concept of, I don't think that fake it till you make it is really, is really the right term for it, but sort of setting the ceiling for yourself. You know, okay. if you tell yourself that I am a person who has this problem and that is like what uniquely makes me me, 
I think you can find your your headspace is a lot different than if you go, what if I could achieve this? What if I have this goal? What if I want to do this thing? And, you know, not to, as a person who, you know, lives with depression and, and all the rest of it, I don't really think this is like a strategy for overcoming mental illness or anything. But I have found in my own life that I can get really wound in a circle about telling myself like, here's a thing I can never have because I have these problems. Right. And yet at other points in my life, I found myself going, fuck, what if I could do this? Or what, you know, you've seen it on the show. Like I moved to New York. I didn't think I could fucking Mm -hmm. move to New York. And then one day I was just like, what would it take though? What would it fucking take? Like we're stuck inside. We're in the middle of the fucking pandemic. I don't like being in LA. What would it really take to get to New York? well, I guess this would have to change and this would have to change and this would have to change. And after a while, it it was, I felt that rising to the occasion theme, you know, it was sort of like, Mm -hmm. I'm going to fucking do these things and see if, if that really is the recipe. If suddenly it feels attainable. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, you know, you, you see that with them playing pretend in the previous movie and sort of going like, well, if this plan was going to be successful, I know I'm talking about a bit about the last movie, but it's all right. It's double feature, man. In summary of our, of our episode today, I guess, <laughs> in the first movie, the idea is kind of like, well, if that was going to work, I would have to put on this disguise and play this character right. and Literally, I want it yeah. to work. So I guess that's what I'm going to do and maybe I'll die. Yeah, right. I don't know. But, you know, th- it's not going to wind up with a positive outcome unless I do this step. So let me just one foot in front of the other and do it and see what happens. And that's that same rising to the occasion as we see in Ringo, which is like, well, I'm wearing the sheriff suit now. I guess I should do sheriff stuff and just right. see if I can't fucking figure out what the hell is going on here. And, and with hope that, nobody pulls my beard off. Totally, totally, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, and I guess just to think about some of the things that can get done if you really go, well, what if I just cosplay as the type of person who can, you know, move <laughs> right. to a crazy city right. or, or achieve whatever insane thing? Mm-hmm. Would I actually find myself in a, in a place where that's possible? It's kind of an exciting, you know, it's kind of an exciting idea. Also, I love all the government corruption stuff in Rango. Okay, that's all the themes. We have to get out of here. Right. <laughs> and, the sort of, and the sort of nastiness of it. Rango's surprising. You could talk about a lot of stuff in this. I'm just real. We've hit the end of the show. It's crazy. And I'm realizing like, yeah. like this is a very nasty movie. I don't know what to say about that. And, uh, and that we've wrapped up the show too neatly. And I still have 40 minutes of things to say about Rango, but it doesn't, <laughs> doesn't matter. Next time. Executive producers, Henrik Dinter, The Abbott of Unreason, Tom Leonard, Tony Gleed, and John. And next time on the show, we have two movies. All right. So next time on Double Feature, we got a couple movies. Uh, I know for a fact this is a you pair because I don't know what these movies are. We're going to do a film called Open Your Eyes. And we're going to pair that with a film called Never Let Me Go. One of them is is new and one of them is like a classic 70s Eric pick, right? I don't think so. I think they're both fairly... How the turntables. Well, <laughs> let me, hey, let me tell you a little secret. I also don't know what the fuck these movies are. Oh my God. I love that we're saying okay. that out loud. Well, that makes me feel look, really professional. I'm, I'm going to be real honest what happened here. Uh, and I did this on purpose. I have been told that these two movies, and I've been told this in separate conversations, that they have a central theme that 
each one has the same. Okay. I don't know if I'm already explaining this poorly, but on separate occasions, I've been told separately that these movies have a theme, share them in common, and it is a theme that's very important and undiscussed, but truthfully, I have no idea if that if that is the case because I haven't seen them. We have only talked about this type of theme maybe once or twice on the show. Oh my God. It's only the tip of the iceberg. And when we've done it, people have always asked for more. You have an interesting Whoa. take on this kind of thing. Whoa. People have kind of gone like, hey, talk more about this. And I thought because these movies, if I'm correct, and I might just be totally wrong. Maybe we're just going to watch two kind of weird movies. I don't know. But if the intel proves out correct here, these movies are secretly about this thing. And it may be revealed through the course of the film in a strange and interesting way. So open your eyes and never let me go. We will find out. Yeah, I guess you and I are going to be the ones to watch more fucking film next week. Um, you can't end the show with um, that's not allowed. <laughs> Uh, I, I'm, I, I feel like it's a first, but also we watch two movies every week. So it's like literally no different. <laughs> okay. Bye.